Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 33. I'm George. And I'm Jim. And I'm Tom. And I'm Peter. Yeah, it's good to be back with you one more time. And, you know, it's only been, what, a month? It seems like, phew. Yeah. Yeah, about a month. It's nice to kind of get back on the schedule, try to. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were kind of lazy for a while there, but we're back. <laughs> yeah, especially you, George. You you're you're quite busy these days. Uh, I'm extremely busy. Yeah, Peter. that's right. Yeah, in fact, uh, I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to start calling him a California kid. You've been uh, traipsing back and forth to California. Well, uh, I've been out there one time. Uh, went out to the Twitch Studios here for the grand opening a few weeks back, and I brought a little footage back to show y'all. Right. Well, let's have a look. When I left home, I had a list of three places that I definitely wanted to visit. The first one you may recognize here by the cross palm trees. This was my first stop after I left the airport. Yes, that's right. It's In-N-Out Burger. Probably the best hamburger I've ever eaten. My next stop was the new Twit Brickhouse, grand opening of Leo's new studios. And they also had a special event station that weekend. I arrived at 3 o'clock uh, just in time because we were scheduled to go on live with Ham Nation at 4 o'clock. I had a quick look around, and yes, it looks just like it does watching it over the Internet. This is a table where we taped Ham Nation. The guy in the background with the hat on is Roger, the designer of the studio. I still had a little while before we had to go on with the show, so I took a quick look at the W6TWT Ham Shack. Man, that is one nice shack with all the ICOM gear, uh, Howl microphones, and the vintage Collins transmitter and audio console. And there's Gordo right there posing for a shot. Here's what was on the main operating station at Leo's Ham Shack. Of course, the nice IC7800 from ICOM, and a couple of more rigs and HTs, and of course, Bob's microphones. Here's the Collins transmitter. I believe this was a 1961 model that's been restored by Mike Garreau. It looked like it just rolled off the showroom floor. What would you use to feed audio into a vintage Collins AM transmitter? Of course, a vintage Collins console. Unfortunately, not a lot of contacts were made during the special event due to the extremely high noise level they had. Uh, look at here, it's better than uh, plus 20. So <laughs> that made only the strongest stations available. And I met Randy, K7AGE. Here is oh, it's Amateur Logic. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. Yeah, long time. Come a long distance. And welcome to California and to well, thank and Petaluma you. and Leo's toy room here. Boy, isn't it great? Yeah. That's when does makeup come in? <laughs> and this is a guy who does all the magic on Ham Nation, getting everybody in on Skype, mixing all the cameras. So is this the right kind of, I thought you said 12 gauge. We can use any. This is speaker wire. That's right. I always imagine it'd be like wire. It's wire, it's not wire wire. Yeah, but isn't the installation gonna, uh, no. no, doesn't get in the way? See, I'm learning, I'm learning so much. Right. What we're gonna do is build a die 
and you need a couple of things. Should, are we recording? I'll make sure we're recording. Yeah. Well, I'm just talking. We're recording. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. I know you need dikes. Yep. You need... Uh, now, this kind of simplifies everything, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it makes it easy. Do we have an over-the-shoulder uh, shot? We do. You. Where is that? It's, That's, it's, it's the gym. Don't we have uh, this shot? We do with the mics. I think that was from the live ham nation that we all sat down and did together and this is the next day sunday afternoon uh, during the taping of this week in technology uh, the premiere show on the network there were a number of people in the audience there but unfortunately you could just barely hear what was going on sitting back in the uh, crowd tucked in one of the back corners of the studio not yet on display was jerry ellsworth's contribution the Road King's pinball machine. On display was the Twit Arcade, which had a number of nice games on it. That's Brian Brushwood from NSFW, the show that follows Ham Nation at the controls right now. I had a good talk with Brian about Ham Radio. I took a look at it myself, but I couldn't figure out how to make the characters move. Gordon is a huge 10 gigahertz fan, and there was a contest that weekend. Have fun. Have a safe trip home. You too. Caught him sneaking out the back. Good to see you and have a little I had a great time at the Twitch studios, and Bob and Gordo and Leo were so nice to hang out with. I feel like I know them a lot better now. My visit at the Twitch studios and the In-N-Out Burger, which I visited two more times, was over. I had one more destination I had to see. That's right, Fry's Electronics. If you ever have the opportunity, you've really got to see this place. All right, uh, I definitely want to do fries. You know that I think uh, I think that's the home of fries. I think that's where they first got started in that area. Yeah, yeah, I know it was somewhere around San Francisco. I'm not sure if that was the exact store, but uh, man, that's a great. Place. Now Tommy's the In-N-Out Burger expert. Yeah, I've only been to one out in uh, Arizona, but it was good. Five guys would give them a run for their money, but. I think In and Out's better. I like yeah, In and Out's better, but I like Five Guys a little bit because they're right up the road from yeah. me. Peter, best <laughs> burger joint in Australia? Uh, we don't we don't have In and Out as far as I know. Um, really, we're just limited to uh, McDonald's and uh, Hungry Jack's, which is our version of Burger King. Uh, but um, uh, we have a lot of uh, sort of local hamburger joints where you can go get a, a hamburger if you want, and they I find them a bit tastier. I've got an email here from Kurt, WB9FMC. says he stumbled across our site and is enjoying it. Got a lot of good info. Thanks. You're welcome. A note on episode, episode 29, it says, we mentioned about online receivers some time ago. I found, or maybe someone told me, a very different interface for SDRs called WebSDR. It allows many simultaneous users all tuning different frequencies. It also... That was a tongue twister. It also very responsive with uh, very little lag time. Here's a link to the list of receivers. Um, it's got a link to w4mq.com. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so it's more functional than a lot of the online receivers. You know, some other people had emailed back about that too, and uh, I need to go back and revisit that and try out that piece of software. Yeah. That's some cool software. Yet. Jim, uh, you've been reading Facebook, hadn't you? Yeah. Boy, I tell you, I love our Facebook page these days. We're getting a lot of traffic, a lot of yeah. comments. Like this one. 
uh, some fellow named Tommy Martin said, oh, yeah, oh, oh, <laughs> that's you. I wouldn't listen to anything that guy says. <laughs> the ceramic filters have gone bad in your receiver, and uh, sensitivity is bad and sounds like lightning on FM. And uh, I know that you and I talked about that, but, uh, you know, I didn't think it was going to generate 14 comments on our Facebook page, and I thought you made a very good point, which I just wanted to bring out to our viewers, which was um, some some people said, you know, they were worried about, some newer hams said they were worried about the the number of repairs that seems to be required for equipment, and your, your point was that uh, don't worry about it. There, you're, no matter what brand of radio you have, you're going to run into that sooner or later, but it's not like it happens all the time. What exactly was it that you were telling them? Yeah, basically the number of failures as opposed to the number of radios out there that don't have a problem, probably very minute. Min and, minuscule. And, and that actually goes for pretty much anything. Uh, I've got a message from Robert, 2W0BJR. Uh, he says he likes to build kits and now has a collection of about 20 of them. Uh, he asks, uh, how's my location for RF noise? Because he's swamped with electrical noise at his QTH. That's his location. Uh, are the radio airwaves conditions getting worse these days compared to before? Uh, I'd have to say undoubtedly yes. Uh, especially, uh, I live in a, a very, very noisy RF environment here in uh, Melbourne, uh, suburban Melbourne. Uh, there is a solution, uh, or a partial solution at least, to that. Uh, and it's timely that I mention this because I believe Leo Laporte was having some trouble out at uh, Petaluma with uh, the amount of local RF noise out there. And the solution is a, a loop antenna. Uh, it's, it won't give you a terribly powerful signal on transmit. But the beauty of a loop antenna is that you can turn it side on to the source of the noise and it will basically uh, null it out or reduce it uh, considerably. So it's a, uh, uh, for noisy environments, I think a loop antenna is a, a really good idea. Okay, yeah, I use an 80 meter loop here and it, it really is a lot quieter than the dipole I had tried. Very true. I might point out that uh, any closed loop or, or closed, how else would you say that? Antenna. Yeah, just a just a closed antenna. Uh, it's not. I, I haven't quite got my terminology right, <laughs> but uh, I think you get the point. Is uh, yeah, as opposed to a dipole where the ends are left open. If you complete the circuit, those antennas are a lot less noisy. Yeah. George, I, I've got a quick question regarding that 80 meter loop antenna. Uh, I have heard that the bandwidth of those antennas tends to be relatively narrow. So in other words, you can't operate perhaps across the whole of the 80 meter band, but only through a relatively narrow portion of it. Is, is that correct or is that something that you can kind of build out when you're building the antenna? Um, well, uh, I think it's going to depend on the shape of the antenna somewhat. But uh, I use a tuner here, so it really uh, it hasn't been a problem I've run into. Uh, but on the 80 meter band, you're going to have trouble tuning the whole band with virtually all antennas just because it's so wide and so massive. Yeah. I've got an email here from Tom, N2BEW, and Tom writes, I really enjoy your broadcast. I just discovered your show on YouTube about a month ago. 
And I'm going through the process of downloading and viewing them all right now in the highest quality from the website. Absolutely excellent job by everyone in the show, and uh, as well as the editing on it. They're all very well done. I saw in one of your shows where you mentioned you wanted to have other amateurs contribute content. You probably are already aware of his videos, but I would like to suggest Randy, K7AGE, who broadcasts amateur radio videos on YouTube, as someone who'd make a great guest on the show. Well, just as a happy coincidence, I ran into Randy a few weeks ago. Yeah, all right. Randy, we've enjoyed seeing your videos on the internet. Well, I've enjoyed yours as well, so it's like we've, you know, have talked about getting together, and here we are in Pentaluma, California, at, at Leo's studio, and I'm about a two and a half hour drive away, and you spent all day. Yeah, I got up like 4.45 this morning, central yeah. time. Yeah, so to come out here for this geek fest. Yeah. So that's great. It's great well, to see you. Great studio here, isn't it? Yeah, we're using one of the sets and, and the lights that are on here, so it, uh, hopefully making pretty pictures. Well, I had a few questions here that I wanted to ask okay. you that some of our viewers might be interested sure. in. Just how old were you when you got into ham radio? You know, I kind of try and remember that. It was um, probably like a sophomore in high school, so that would be maybe 15, 16, something like that. And I got my novice. My dad was a ham, so he had the station, and I just through osmosis, you know, you know, you know, picked up all the radio stuff. And I had my novice. He had a Johnson Invader 200 which I could not use because it was VFO and back then you had to have crystal controlled in 75 watts. So I bought one of these Amico AT1s, I believe it is. It's a little like five watt, 10 watt. Yeah. They sold for like 14.95. Today they go for what, two, $300 <laughs> on eBay. I think I probably threw it out. And then I think I moved on to like something like a DX40. Yeah. And then it and then it expired and it ran out and I didn't get my general until about probably my first or second year of college and then I was into the two meter FM craze back in the early uh, 70s. Yeah, yeah, that, that came on pretty strong. Yeah, it was a lot of fun back then. You know, running a the radio head in a car had 26 tubes and I had it on wow. two channels. <laughs> and how long would your car battery last? Not long. <laughs> What, um, we've seen you work a lot of PSK31 mm -hmm. on YouTube. What's your favorite mode? Um, it's kind of hard to say. I'm not really active a whole lot. So um, I get on 75 with some locals in Northern California and also Nevada um, Saturday and Sunday mornings. Most of those guys are all retired, so it's you know, kind of a, a gang there. Um, with summers, kind of a hard time really don't get on much in the winter i will start getting on more uh, you know i like to like to get on with psk and within about two or three qso's the person i'm chatting with says oh i've seen your videos or i've gotten on psk from it and such so um i do a lot of listening with jt65 if i'm out and about i'll leave the radio on 14 230 and just capture slow scan pictures during the day yeah um I've run the radio in whisper mode when I'm not around and then come back later and see what the propagation looks like. So I kind of fool with a lot of different stuff, but I'm not on like 75 every night or 20 every Saturday afternoon yeah. and such. So, what, What's your favorite band, would you say? 
Um, if you're going after DX20 is kind of the best all-around band. Um, you know, it's fun to work the DX, see it show up on the spot, and you know, go after it and stuff. So, what what do you do for a living? I work for a broadcast equipment manufacturer up in Grass Valley, and it's Miranda. It's a Montreal-based company. They bought the company in Grass Valley, and we build video um, uh, video and audio routing switchers for the broadcast world. Okay, now we used to use Grass Valley equipment when I worked in television right. years ago. This is not an offshoot of that company. Is yes, it? it is. It is. Okay. There's probably maybe 20 companies in the Grass Valley area, which are all offshoots from the Grass Valley Group. During its peak, they probably had 1,300 employees there, and now I'm not sure if they're in the 300 range. Yeah. So, so I worked there for 22 years. Wow. So, so. What, what do you actually do there? I'm a pre-sales engineering person, so I work on the proposals and quotes, um, supporting our sales staff and dealers worldwide, basically. So I, I guess with HD in the last few years, that's kept you busy. Yeah, very busy. And now we're doing some neat things with audio, because a lot of the digital video has the audio embedded in, so we don't need separate wiring. Well, now we have switches. We can take all the audio out and switch it independently, which is very popular in production and also in trucks for doing broadcasts. So that's what so, I do during the day. So what, is that what you've always done, I mean, as far as a job, or have you worked in other fields? It's always been broadcasting. I worked in college studios. I went to RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology, and worked in the TV studio there. Um, ended up... You know, full-time student, then turned into full-time working and taking uh, classes at night. Um, that's one of the things with ham radio, taking the engineering classes. You know, I'd be in the class and go, oh, that's kind of neat, because at home at night I was building a repeater controller. I was etching boards and the logic courses and stuff. I could really tie it together, and that's a perfect thing for engineering students to get their ham tickets, because it gives them a chance to, to, to take an experiment and play at home and kind of put a real world uh, to the theory. Yeah, uh, so we got kind of similar backgrounds and you, you worked on, I guess, uh, well, you worked on the um, stations themselves, but right. you worked in equipment manufacturing as well. And I've worked at radio and television stations all my life and I yeah. work for an equipment manufacturer yeah. now, so. I started off as a field service guy working on the switchers all over the, the world, moved into the design. We worked on uh, the Model 100 and 200 production switchers. I worked in a group that was doing a uh, desktop editing project that never came to life, moved into a systems group where we did large routing and large file server type systems, and now I've just kind of stayed with the routing stuff. Yeah. Um, are there any particular events you like to work on ham radio? Any particular time of the year that there's something going on that catches your fancy? Um, I've done a few of the uh, teletype contests. Um, they're a lot of fun, but it takes the whole weekend. It's yeah. you know 48 hours. You start four o'clock Friday afternoon or something, and you know it just totally wipes that out. Um, I kind of like working some of the special event stations because they're on for many different things, and they typically have a real nice card or a certificate that you can mail in and, and get. So that makes for nice, a uh, nice wallpaper. Yeah, there's a special event station going on behind us over here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten the uh, club call letters that they're using over there. Uh, W6KB. That's right, yep. W6KB. And I'm not sure In fact, Leo's it's, working. I heard him over there a while ago. Yeah, it looks like I see Bob on there. 
right now and it uh, looks like they're on 40. There was an awful high noise level here in this building so it, I, it, it I wiped out that. 20 today. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they'd be better off with some loops up there. To yeah, maybe. And I mentioned the, and I mentioned to Gordon, maybe PSK 31 would have worked. Today. Oh yeah, yeah, I bet it would. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to get Leo on uh, PSK 31. Well, when can we expect the next video out from K7AG? Hopefully in the next few days. In the next, so it may already be out, guys. Before, you, <laughs> before we're watching this. Because it'll probably be a few weeks before this is out. So. Uh, Go look up Randy, K7AGE, on YouTube. Yes. Uh, he's got, uh, oh, gee, how many videos do you have? I think have there's about there? 54. Wow. Tomorrow, Sunday, is my fifth anniversary of posting, so I want to do a follow-on to my first. So that's tomorrow's project. My wife is out of town, so I can monkey around with radio and video the entire day. Well, that's, that's great. We, we like to do that, too, when the wife's out of town. Right. And <laughs> All right, none of the chores get done. The lawn won't get mowed. You know, oh well. <laughs> yeah. Well, Randy, we're a fan. Okay. We've enjoyed watching well, you for enjoyed five years yours. now. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to see you face to face. Yeah. Maybe see you at NAB or somewhere. Well, I hope so. Yeah, we'll, I plan uh, on going this up. year probably on my own, but I'll go Wednesday morning because Wednesday night's the big night yeah. with the big ham yeah. thing there. In fact, we should get Leal to broadcast from there. I think that well, would be Well, he did neat. last year. Oh, okay, he did. Okay. He did, yeah. Okay. He he actually had a booth there and uh, did some broadcast, and that's kind of, I guess, how uh, Bob Hornswoggled him into getting oh, into okay. ham radio. Right, he cool. came okay. to the ham party and had a lot of fun. So I plan on being in Vegas for that, hopefully. Yeah. So Cool. All right, Randy. We'll right. Uh, catch you on YouTube. You bet. Yeah, I've been watching Randy's videos on YouTube for a long time. He's yeah. got some really interesting stuff. He covers a pretty wide variety of topics. Yep. From yeah. doing some DX into equipment, a lot of different things. It's really He's been into it for a good while, too. He's got a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and if you're interested in PSK31, he's got some of the best tutorials out there. Yep. Cool. Well, Tommy, what's on your email stack there? Man, I've got an email from... This is an interesting guy, the way he operates. It's uh, John, W-A-8-Y-X-M. Yes, I'm homeless. I live in my car, all 37 feet of it. Okay, it's a motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like that bad of an uh, inconvenience no. to me because, honestly, well, that's my goal one day to be able to do that. <laughs> Land yacht. <clears throat> yep. So anyway, he says, how about a road show that's a show featuring shacks with wheels and perhaps even engines that haul them down the road. He says he puts the TS-2000 in the half bath right over the main power transfer switch. I wish I had them. Right. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty nice. George has one mounted in his shower, too. That beats taking the handy talkie in there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got the right ground system. <laughs> he uses a 100-foot long wire. A KAT-1 tuner feeds it. I have a weight about two pounds at the far end of the wire as a, and a fabric cord on it. So um, I guess he has a sign on the back that says, stay 100 feet back. <laughs> I think oh. he means when he's parked. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Throw it over a limb. Yes, I've got an email here from Craig, VK3VCM. Craig lives in a 15th floor apartment and uses a buddy pole deluxe and a buddy stick. He mentions that conditions are getting noisy. It seems to be a common theme these days. And asks, do we have uh, ever try our luck at portable, team, uh, at portable HF? Well, I don't do it very often. 
I do have a portable HF antenna, but uh, of course in the last episode, uh, George, Tommy, Jimmy uh, went out on field day, so uh, it's, you might want to check out that episode. He also asks, do we have any ideas for antennas in restricted apartments? Uh, I'd come back again to a loop antenna, uh, a much smaller one, uh, that, uh, that could be a good option. Hi, this is Tommy. I'm here at the Huntsville Ham Fest. Finally made it. I've been talking about coming to this thing for years, and uh, this time it finally worked out. I thought I was not going to be able to make it, and then I had a, another quick change of plans, and it worked out. Glad for that. Well, I'm here. We're going to look around, see what's in here. This is my first time to come to this one. Let's uh, let's go inside. There's quite a line at the counter to go in, but uh, let's go in and check it out, see what's going on. Well, we're inside the Huntsville Ham Fest. Looks like they've got a really nice uh, variety of vendors, new equipment vendors, a lot of swap tables set up over to the left over here when you first walk in. I'm sure the video doesn't do it justice, but we'll go up and down all the aisles and let you have a good look around here in just a few minutes. We've got CQ Magazine here. Flex Radio. That's a pretty sweet piece of gear right there. I would love to have that. We got our buddies from CT Morgan here. We interviewed them at the Jackson Ham Fest this year. Got a lot of MFJ gear. <laughs> motor oil. Don't forget to change your motor oil on your HF rig. Batteries. Batteries America. That's something we're missing at the Jackson Ham Fest. We don't have any battery vendors for handy talkies. Looks like they got a battery for pretty much anything. If they don't have it, looks like they got enough stuff you can make your own. As you can see, there are a lot more new vendors. There, Gigaparts were there. Uh, MFJ was there, like usual. They're glad to see those guys doing so well. And just many, many, many uh, swap tables of used gear. It was uh, pretty incredible. most popular radio has to go to these ocean little Chinese handy talkies like George got at the Jackson Ham Fest. Everybody had one or was buying one. There were tables and tables just full of every kind of electronic component you could think of. Gauges, project boxes, rubber feet for your project boxes, knobs, uh, all, all types of components. It's a great place to go stock up if you uh, supplies are running low. Well, I'm here at the Huntsville Ham Fest, and I ran across an interesting gadget. I was going to see if the guy demonstrating it can tell us a little bit about it. What's your name? John Troy. John? Yep. Anyway, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. And, uh, tell me about what you've got here. <laughs> well, what we've got is uh, the Remote Shack, which is a revolutionary new product that allows you to remotely control your station all from your cell phone. Uh, what is this? A, this a hardware solution, obviously. What all is involved in it? What hardware do we need? Yeah, it's a standalone solution, a one-box solution, uh, in addition to your cell phone when you're on the go. 
uh, and it basically works as a uh, total one, uh, you know, turnkey solution for remote control. It's plug and play. It comes customized for your particular radio. Uh, whether you have an ICOM radio, a Kenwood radio, a Flex radio, or even a Yaesu radio. We make the cable specifically for that radio, and the uh, unit is designed to control your radio, plug-and-play operation, all from your cell phone. And, and what does something like that cost? It, the unit itself runs $479, plus the cable kit runs $49. Okay, and those are available now, right? Yes, they're available uh, immediately off our website at remoteshack.com. Oh, awesome. So this is just one device and it can control the radio, your rotor, everything, right? And I think I even saw it power on the rig from remote. Yes, it'll, it'll, if your rig supports it, it'll power on your radio. It will control your rotor. It will control frequency. You can go on the air just like you, you were sitting in front of the radio. And it'll also uh, control external relays if you want to be able to control a relay on and off. And to get back into this, you can use a standard cell phone or I think I think I maybe I saw Skype on there and you also support like Magic Jack and any of the low cost or IP uh, telephone alternatives. That's right. You can use a standard run of the mill uh, telephone line or you can use Vonage, Skype, Magic Jack uh, or even Comcast. It's a standard telephone line interface. Um, it has two remotes uh, inputs actually, two link inputs. One's audio and one's a telco port. Okay, well that's pretty awesome. Well, on the show we discuss a lot of times. I have to travel with my job, and uh, we've discussed a lot of options to be able to get on the air from hotel rooms and so forth. And this looks like right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. This is a simple one-stop plug-and-play solution. It allows you just to sit back, poolside, call into your system, and work DX from anywhere in the world, all with only having your said, you know, your cell phone and a nice little Bluetooth headset, and you're ready to go. Oh, that's pretty awesome, man. Uh, I appreciate you telling me about it. Uh, can you kind of give us a demo? Sure, I sure can. All right. Welcome. General. Remote base ready. 14, 3, 2, 3, 5. USB. Receive. Antenna. Rotating to... One, zero, zero, degrees. Stop the rotation. Stop rotation. We'll go to 40, right? Let's go to 40 meters. Zero, zero, seven, two, zero, zero, stop. Oops, there we go. The SOA, seven, <laughs> two, zero. Zero, zero, LSB. Now let's, let's scan the band, right? We want to talk Tuner to somebody, in. right? Well, I will. Yeah, I'll go back to this thing, you know? Scan the band. Okay, now all of a sudden we find somebody we want to talk to, right? Stop. And now we nibble them in a little bit, go a little bit slower on the scan. Okay. Stop. And then we can do 500 hertz nibbling or 100 hertz nibbling. When we find the guy, now we want to apply a filter. Filter. Simulator on. Preamp on. Noise blinker on. Noise reduction on. Well, I found my uh, BL259s. I guess I can go home now. Well, it's been a fun ham fest. Got to see some old friends. Uh, met some new ones. Had some, uh, 
met some people that we talked to on Twitter and Facebook fairly frequently. Um, as a matter of fact, been approached by some people that I'm not sure who they were, but they're viewers of the show. I wish I'd have gotten their names and calls, but uh, anyway, it was great to meet you guys. Um, it's a great ham fest here. It's a good size. Um, there's a lot of variety of equipment, some good used gear, a lot of new equipment vendors. Um, it's pretty much an all-day event to go through the whole thing and, and look at it pretty close. So I recommend coming if you get a chance. And uh, hopefully I'll make it back next year. See you soon. If you get to come to the ham fest, be sure and pack your rod and reel. You might get in a little fishing like I did. Well, Jim, I guess we know what Tommy bought at the ham fest now. His standard PL259 purchase. That, that winds up the ship. It's him. not a ham fest if you don't come back with at least a couple of those. That's right. <laughs> Well, I've got an email here from Jason, and I don't have his call letter, so I'm not really sure. I, I assume he's a ham. Well, he must be, judging by the topic here. Oh, okay. I've recently stumbled upon your show, and I've not had a chance to watch every single episode yet, but I'm working on it. And if you've already covered this topic, uh, I'd like to know about it. I've always been a little confused about the methods of grounding uh, station, antenna, equipment, and all for electrical safety, and RF energy. And he uh, said that he and a friend went through several years ago and, and did what they thought was a proper grounding of his station and equipment. And he got on the air and uh, he keyed up, listened first though, listened for a while and decided to talk, keyed up, and after a few seconds, his hand started tingling, and he had a strange sensation in his head, and the mic got hot, so he dropped it like a hot potato. Been there. Wow. So Pretty close, <laughs> anyway. He's uh, asking, you know, what kind of grounding situation does he need to be looking into there? And uh, my first thought was, well, he's, he's already grounded it. Yeah. It sounds like RFI RM. coming back. Yeah. It is, RFI for sure. And uh, I did a segment on that uh, on Ham Nation episode 17 last week at twit.tv slash HN. Uh, I would well suggest, uh, Jason, go take a look at that because you might learn yeah. a little something there that would help. If you've already grounded it, then, yeah. then odds are it's some kind of RF energy coming back into the shack. Yeah. You had to work on getting a little RF out of uh, your rig too, didn't you? As a matter of fact, I did and I made a segment about it. I was getting RF out of my microphone audio, and so I built a little box that we're calling an audio interface. I thought I'd get into a little bit of a technical project this go around. I've been needing to build an audio interface for my ham rig and my microphone for a pretty long time. Occasionally, I get a comment like this, hey, it sounds like you've got RF on your audio. And I do. What they're talking about is uh, RF from the rig is getting into the microphone and causing distortions in my microphone's audio. So we're going to build an audio interface that will prevent that from happening, but also does a couple other things. It can better match the impedance of your microphone's output to your ham rig's mic input circuit. It can also prevent ground loops depending on your particular installation. If you have some, it might cause hum to get on your microphone's audio. 
In my particular case, we're going to be building a circuit which will take uh, a microphone such as this one. It just happens to be a medium condenser, a medium diaphragm condenser mic. And we're going to interface them with a line transformer, the heart of the audio interface. Uh, this particular line transformer is 600 to 600 ohms. It's made by Op Amp Labs. And uh, I, I'm not uh, being paid to say so, but I think they make a really great line transformer. Uh, a lot of value for the money. And we'll put that link up for you. And so let's take a little bit closer look at the components that we'll use and uh, schematic to see how exactly we'll construct this very simple circuit that we're calling an audio interface. Okay, so ready to take a little bit closer look at the components we're going to use to build our audio interface. The heart of the project, as we said, is our line transformer. The Op Amp Labs transformer is rated at 50 to 15 kilohertz frequency response. 18 dB gain. This is the Model T18 if you'd like to order one from their website. And an illustration here shows us which pins tap the primary and which pins tap the secondary transformer. And as you can see, it's designed to fit into a tube socket, which uh, I just happen to have one of in my junk box. And so I took my nibbler tool Got it mounted here in this old uh, aluminum box. It's not an Altoids tin. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than that. And uh, the potentiometer mounted in here as well. And it's not your garden variety potentiometer. It's a, it's a lock pot. It's designed to be adjusted with your screwdriver, obviously, but it has a, a lock nut on it, and the lock nut must be loosened before you can make an adjustment and afterwards you tighten your lock nut back up to hold it snug so that adjustments can't accidentally be made for one thing. And other than that, we've got a couple of quarter inch Monaural chassis mount jacks that I still haven't mounted yet. And those will be for input and output audio. We'll probably drill a couple of holes and and mount those babies right there. Have to see, have to think about how it's going to wire up, but that'll probably work. So yeah, let's think about how it's going to wire up and take a look at a schematic. Okay, let's look at our schematic here. Drawn in G-Scheme, a free Linux application. And we'll zoom in here and get a little bit closer look at the components on the left, our input and output jacks, upper right-hand corner, the transformer with the primary on the left, secondary on the right, and our pot in the lower right hand. Now, what are those funny looking things, CCW and CW on the pot? Well, let me show you or demonstrate that. See, every pot, which is just variable resistance, has a counterclockwise lead and a clockwise lead and the middle lead is a common lead. So three leads, counterclockwise, common, and clockwise. So I'm just going to do a test here to not only demonstrate that to you, but to make sure that I know which lead whoops, is the uh, clockwise lead, because that's the one I want to use. 
the clockwise lead will have the resistance lowest when it's fully counterclockwise and highest when it's fully clockwise. Now here you see me turning the lead, I'm sorry, turning the pot all the way clockwise and you see resistance is all the way down or zero and then when I turn it fully counterclockwise resistance is at it higher is highest so this is not the this is not the lead I want so it'll be the opposite lead but I'm just going to verify that as soon as I hook this up you'll see resistance go all the way to zero which if you're unfamiliar with uh, volt ohmmeters is all the way to the right now as I turn the pot clockwise or like increasing a volume knob you see resistance go all the way high which is all the way to the left on your meter here so resistance is at its peak now I'm going to turn it counterclockwise or the, like turning a volume control down to zero and you see resistance drop to zero so yep this is the lead we want to wire up when we do our soldering the left hand lead okay good deal now Let's go back to our schematic and we'll draw it up. First the input, we'll draw our uh, positive and negative and it doesn't matter which is which, that is to say whether the positive is lead number one or negative lead number two, in fact you probably won't even know. So uh, we draw our input to the positive, I'm sorry, to the primary side of our transformer. And then on the secondary side of our transformer, where are we going to go with that? To our potentiometer. And um, one lead will go to the wiper. It does not matter which wire, positive or negative. And the other wire will go to our clockwise lead. All right. So the only thing left to do now is draw um, our output jack, connect our output jack, which will connect to the same two terminals as our um, um, secondary. I've been saying leads and technically they're terminals. And uh, okay, hang on here. Uh, I messed up. Just a second. Let's delete that wire. We don't want our wires crossed. Okay. Uh, I can't delete that one. Okay, this is my first time to use <laughs> G-Scheme. I practice a little bit. It's, it's, uh, I think I can get it done this way. Yeah, here we go. And so there you have it. Our schematic is drawn. Now all that's left to do is actually wire this up in real life. Plus mount our two jacks. I got to get that done first.
Didn't mention this before, but wiring's almost like a component in and of itself. You see this tin foil? It's normally wrapped around the three wires inside the gray jacket of this cable. This is a three conductor shielded cable. So the shielding acts to keep RF out of your project. Okay, here's a little final tour of the wiring. We started out at the input and we ran two wires, a positive and a negative, you can think of them, from these two terminals over to the two inputs to the primary of the line transformers. If we look at our illustration, that'll be pins 1 and 8 on the line transformer. And then we ran from the two outputs, pins 4 and 5, down to our pot, just as we saw in our schematic. And then we run from our pot on to our outputs. Uh, normally, I would use a little terminal strip mounted here, say, to run uh, both sets of wires to, but since I was working with such large terminals on the pot and just about the right size wire, I could easily fit both onto the pot and thereby not have to mount a terminal strip. And then so we come on to our output and we're done. So there you have it. Go do a little rumbling around in your junk box. Find you a project box and a pot at about 500 ohms and a good line transformer. A couple of jacks and you're set to go. You can interface or isolate your microphone from your rig, which will provide a better audio interface. Jim, you know that's a tip that a lot of hams could use that are hooking up external audio into their rigs. I, I've been doing it here for years on mine, and I don't think I could operate without it. Oh man, it really is. I, it's amazing how much difference it makes, and thanks to you for the tip on where to find those fantastic line transformers, Op Amp Labs. Uh, they make a really great product. Yeah, that's not the ones I'm using, but when I we started talking about it, I started doing some searching. I thought about them and looked, and the the specs are great, the prices yeah. are great. So. Couldn't be more pleased. Yeah. I've uh, got uh, one final email myself here, and this comes from our friend Charlie, KY5U, who we met at the Hamfest a few years ago. Uh, Charlie's one of our friends on uh, Cam Radio Net. Anyway, he has worked up a great mobile site here for uh, people with smartphones who need some access to various ham applications. He's got a universal one because it's a web page. It's http colon slash slash mobile dot ky5u.net. Go there and check it out. Charlie's got some great stuff. You can do it from a uh, smartphone. You can do it from your web browser on anything. Good tip. I heard that, uh, well, I saw that Peter Barrett had put a post and said that he had heard a vicious rumor that in the next few weeks, an extra three hours of content would be popping up from Amateur Logic. And I thought I would just ask him about that while we had him here on the show. Yeah, well, you should know, uh, Jimmy, never to believe vicious rumors, but maybe there is a little bit of truth to this one. Uh, what uh, my, my segment for this this week uh, is a few short highlights from uh, a digital amateur TV QSO party 
that was held amongst all the uh, amateur TV operators here in Melbourne to celebrate uh, 100 years of uh, Amateur Radio Victoria, our local, our local club. It, uh, I've, I've condensed that down for this episode down to about 10 minutes, but I had literally hours of uh, footage uh, recorded from the Friday and the Saturday nights on the uh, Friday and the Saturday afternoon, I should say. On the Saturday afternoon, uh, we were also joined by uh, fellow uh, ham TV operators in California uh, and elsewhere in the United States who actually came in via Skype. So we actually had an international hookup, which was great. So anyway, here's the, the highlights, and uh, I hope you enjoy that. And keep an eye out for am a couple of amateurologic extras, each about an hour long, which will give you uh, much, much longer footage. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the Digital Amateur TV CUSO Party. This CUSO Party is a part of the 100 years celebration of Amateur Radio Victoria. And towards the end of that period, I ended up getting some modules from SR Systems, and I was the first here to transmit um, DBBS uh, in Brisbane on 23 centimetres. And, of course, over the last, what, five years or so, we've been playing with the uh, terrestrial digital as well. Um, well, thank you, Peter. And good evening, everyone. This is uh, Winston VK7 Echo Mike in Penguin. And I must say, I've got a little prompt sheet there, but I must say uh, congratulations to uh, Amateur Radio Victoria for 100 years. Um, I decided to, uh, to go around the other way. This is the, uh, the new build repeater. Um, there's no audio on it. You'll see the uh, there's the rack frame and the uh, and the wiring. Uh, VDA is on all inputs, uh, waveform monitoring, using a Cox coder, video coder, and using the old club uh, BATC um, uh, circle. Good afternoon and evening wherever you are out there in television land on Ross BK3CE, and welcome to Bendigo, the home of the BK3RBO television repeater. I've been a member of the British Amateur TV Club, I think, for 25 or 26 years now. Yeah, so uh, uh, congratulations to Amateur Radio Victoria for, for uh, turning 100. Uh, fortunate enough to be watching the whole thing via, um, via the uh, RTV downlink. Victoria, uh, a very happy, happy birthday and continued success on this their 100th year. I've been uh, active... Uh, in amateur radio since 1987 and up with a novice license and upgraded to uh... welcome everybody from peter vk3pb here in baronia and uh, first of all congratulations to amateur radio victoria on its centenary and uh, special congratulations also to uh, peter BK, vk3bfg uh, for organizing this uh, celebration G'day everyone, uh, VK3KQ. Um, I'm a bit of a newbie to um, ATV. Uh, got interested after Peter came to the talk. G'day, alright, this is VK3KHB. Gary, I'm rolling on it this time of night anyway with the amateur television broadcasting some, broadcasting some uh, ESA. Uh, European Space Agency video. Right, good evening everybody, it's VK3DQ, I'm uh, located in Wanaturna South and uh, first of all uh, very uh, many congratulations to uh, Amateur Radio uh, Victoria on their uh, 100 years. Hello everyone, 
This is Nick, BK3CH from Northcote. I'll just turn the TV down. Okay. No worries. Good day. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, inviting us up. Uh, I think we're a bit of a young one. We're probably one of the younger ones on uh, ATV. Opportunity to say good day to everyone. And uh, firstly, uh, congratulations to uh, Amateur Radio Victoria and uh, on their 100th year. And um, also thanks, for, thanks to you for organising this whole thing. This is very good. So, <laughs> and we haven't been drinking either. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> we, we've just enjoyed pizza, Peter, so... Uh, Pizza and a few, uh, a few, uh, few, few ales. So, uh, so we've had, um, we've had, uh, we've had a fantastic night, yeah. Peter. Um, thank you very much. Okay, I think the name was Peter on uh, was it VK3 uh, RTV. Handle here is Norm, November, Oscar, Romeo, Mike, and a retired engineer. Town called North California. PB, uh, and uh, I've got George um, uh, W. What's your call sign again, there, George? <laughs> it's W5JDX. For uh, for organising it. Good afternoon, everyone in Australia, and good evening to everyone in the US. And uh, fantastic, fantastic event. I've uh, only just started into um, amateur television and it's a fantastic medium and uh, very happy to be involved. Again, my name is George. My call sign is Alpha Charlie 6RB. AC6RB. everybody from Australia. A few years ago I took a trip over there, got a call, BK3AIE. I never renewed it, so it just lasted one year, I guess. But uh, very, very nice people and enjoyed the trip. Hey, good evening. I was looking at the uh, audio hockey VA3C here. Anyway, good evening, uh, Australia. Uh, name is Mark here. They call me Fish. Last name is Fisher. And I'm in. W6 and good morning. This is VK3DQ in Montana South. 7-3. Melbourne. Good day, America. And whoever else is hooked up and everyone across Melbourne that might be watching on uh, VK3 TV. Uh, this is Nick, VK3CH, operating portable out of Bundura Park, uh, northeast of Melbourne. And uh, we're running the uh, DVBS, probably putting about eight watts up into the mountain. Okay, good afternoon, uh, Don, and thank you for uh, letting me uh, check in through uh, your Skype system. Let me just bring my station up. Uh, and uh, here's Carl, call sign is November Bravo 7 Charlie.
ahead and mark y'all. So it's uh, oh, interesting. I think Don's proved to me he's mad. <laughs> Trying to make it all work. But I, I already know Peter is. <laughs> but uh, no, this this has been quite a good quite a good exercise. Yeah, Peter, I love that segment, and uh, in fact, I, you know, I've always been intrigued by ATV, so I went in and did a sneak peek on your extras that are, that are going to be posted probably along with this segment, and I can tell you that I enjoyed the extra in-depth coverage and uh, learning a little bit more about each station operator and what kind of equipment they have in their setup, so well done. Enjoyed it, everyone. 73, and we'll catch you for a special show next time. Have a good one. Have a good one. Later Don't forget on. to check us out on Twitter, at Amateur Logic. And Facebook. Yep, 73s. from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, werewolves up there, man. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to save this for the Halloween episode. <laughs> can you hear him? Maybe, can we, can we, well. Can you hear him, Peter? <laughs> Do you hear that? I can actually, what are they? <laughs>